0: Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston.
1: All the ones who are like, I don't want anything to do with God. I'm going to live my life like this. My life is going to be about this. I know there's, yeah, you can keep telling me, of how Jesus died on the cross for me and rose from the grave and all this stuff and he offers all this, you know, freedom from sin and freedom from, you know what, that's all nice but I'm gonna, I want this. I don't want him. I don't want Jesus. I want this. Well, you know, there is a destination for individuals like that.
0: The message of the gospel is the greatest news that anyone can hear. Because of what Jesus did, anyone can be forgiven of their sins and they can have eternity in heaven with God. However, there's people out there that are going to hear that message and reject it. Maybe they believe in God, but they have something against Him. In today's message, Pastor James is going to share about people who hear the message of the gospel, but choose to reject it. And there's a place that those people will end up as well. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Revelation chapter 21. As Pastor James continues his message, All Things Made New.
1: This world we live in, is it's still, it's corrupt and it, it's messed up. And day by day, we see this thing. It just seems to be falling apart. And all our efforts seem to be so futile and just even trying to preserve what this beautiful creation and all that stuff. and Because humanity just seems to get, it just seems to grow darker and darker and just sin and tragedy. It's like a plague upon this planet, and it is. The Word of God would even say that creation itself is groaning. It's groaning. For what? For a Redeemer. For somebody to come and to fix this problem. So we can look back and it's like, yeah, I wish I had a Garden of Eden experience, but I don't. But that doesn't mean that we won't ever have that. And this is the part where we look forward. So turn to Revelation chapter 21. The end of the book. We actually taught through this book before we started Genesis. Because that's all like sweet. But thinking back on you know, Genesis chapter one, even chapter two, kind of gets into more of the minute details concerning Adam and Eve, and you know, how he'd taken this part of Adam and formed and fashioned Eve from that, and how even the most intimate sense of creation of mankind. I mean, like I said. He's speaking all these other things into existence. But when it came to humanity, he stooped down to this earth, and he formed and fashioned mankind from the dirt. He didn't speak mankind into existence. It was going to be way more personal than that. He was going to mold and shape and form and fashion humanity, and then he was going to perform CPR, so to speak. He was going to breathe life into this creation. That's literally what happens with Adam. First surgery, uh, you know, of all kind happens when he, you know, puts Adam under and he's like, don't worry, go to sleep, rest in me. And then Adam wakes up and yeah, he might be missing something, but what he, you know, it's nothing. What was taken out of him is nothing compared to what God had presented to him in Eve. And he's like, whoa, whoa, I don't know. Something might be gone here, but I got this total package right here. Eve is the most awesome thing ever, right? And so that was the whole creation of humanity and all that good stuff. And it's good to look back on that, and that's, that's cool. Before sin entered into the equation. But we, can, we all know you can't travel back in time. You can look at photos, but you can't go back. You can't go back. You just can't. You can enjoy the past. You can reflect on it. You can't live in the past. You can't time travel. You can't do any of that stuff, at least as far as I know. And you don't want to anyways. Because we're not living for the past, we're living for what's to come. Revelation, the bookend, so to speak, of this beautiful love letter that God has, you know, written for us, tells us, hey, remember what I did in the beginning? Well, by the way, I'm going to do it again. and It's going to be better. It's going to be better. It's going to be way better. The Garden of Eden, that was cool, that was sweet and all that stuff, But what's gonna happen, what's to come, is gonna surpass that, way beyond your wildest expectations. Revelation 21. This is at the end of it all. End of it all, end of the thousand-year reign, end of the you know, the rebellion and and the tribulation, all that stuff. Revelation 21. This is like the end of it all, but the end is actually the beginning. Verse 1, it says, Now I, this is John. Who was used by God to write the Gospel of John, but then also 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John? He's explaining these things that he had seen in this vision. He says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. We talked about this many times because we love the sea, we love water. Now, again, is this figuratively speaking, or is this literal? I don't believe it's literal. I think it's just because you read through the book of Revelation and nothing but bad stuff comes out of the sea. Nothing but there's a dragon that comes out of the sea. There's this woman is from Babylon who's over the sea. The sea is bad, bad, bad. Does that mean there won't be any or an ocean in the, because we saw in Genesis one, there was one gigantic ocean, Does that mean that there won't be that in the new heaven and new earth? Here's where I stand on this. God made all these awesome sea creatures. Where are they going to live? New heaven, new earth. Where are they going to live? If he does away with the sea and the ocean, well, where do they go? Because it's not, I don't believe that animals are gone in the new heaven and new earth. I I believe that there's nothing that God creates that goes to waste. So what happens to all the sea creatures? Do they, I mean, how big is this river that's coming from the New Jerusalem? That would be my other question. Is like, okay, if there's no ocean, how massive is this river that sea creatures obviously would have to live in this thing? And if you're a surfer, don't worry. I've seen guys surfing on rivers before, so you'll be okay. We'll figure it out. I'm sure you'll figure it out, so don't worry about it. I think this is speaking figuratively, because bad stuff always happened with the sea. The Jewish people actually were terrified of the sea. Um, it was always bad. Like, storms come from this thing. It's unknown. We don't even know what's underneath the surface of it. It's just, it's scary, OK? Anyways, regardless, there's a new heaven, and there's a new earth. And it isn't just like he just remodeled it. That's not what it's talking about here. This is new, new for like from scratch. This isn't like a home renovation thing where it's like, yeah, it's still the old house, still the same house, but it's kind of new. No, this is like new, brand new. Verse 2, then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and I will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, all byproducts of sin. Death, pain, sorrow, tears. All byproducts. All can be. Certainly the first one, death, is a direct byproduct of sin. There's no more of that. No more of that. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Verse 5, then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. New. You, according to what Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, if you're in Jesus, you are a new creation, a new creation. A new creation that is perfectly suited and formed and fashioned to live in a new heaven and a new earth, right? This is just a process getting you there. This life is a journey getting you to the new heaven, new earth, new life kind of a thing, which goes on forever. I don't know about you, but that's really hard for me to think because I'm really kind of ADD. And so when I think of like new heaven, new earth and forever, I'm like, but what will I be doing? As if I'm going to be like bored at some day, right? Like I'm just trying to, my head can't wrap itself around it. It just can't. We get little hints here and there about what that's going to be like. But by and large, it's kind of a mystery. And that should be exciting as well, right? He says, I make all things new. And he said to me, he's saying to John, write for these words are true and faithful. Or you could say, you can bank on what I'm saying. Invest all into what God is saying here. It's going to happen. And at this point in time, what we're reading, all the promises and prophecies and all that good stuff have come to pass. We're living in a day and age which a lot of promises and prophecies have already been fulfilled. So you have every reason to trust in what God has already said. You have every reason to trust in Him. Because what He has said that's going to come to pass has happened. There's just no denying it. He's like, listen, write this down. These words, are, they're true and they're faithful. Verse 6, he said, it is done. It's finished. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God. He shall be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderer, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, this long list, all the liars, all the liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Essentially that you can, you know, wrap all those guys up into all the ones who are like, I don't want anything to do with God. I'm going to live my life like this. My life is going to be about this. I know there's, yeah, you can keep telling me of how Jesus died on the cross for me and rose from the grave and all this stuff. And he offers all this, you know, freedom from sin and freedom from, you know what? That's all nice. But I'm going to, I want this. I don't want him. I don't want Jesus. I want this. Well, you know, there is a destination for individuals like that. There is a place. And it's what we would say. It's hell. No, it's a lake of fire. It's the lake of fire is what it is. And you can read a couple of chapters back in Revelation where it explains all that. So you got this new city, and and the rest of 21 goes into the description of of this new Jerusalem and and all these dimensions and how it's made and all this cool stuff. It, it, It sounds really sweet. It's going to be incredible. Jump down to verse 22 of that same chapter. John says, but I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple... The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God illuminated. And does that mean there's no sun and no moon? That's not necessarily what that's saying. It's just saying that the brightness, the holiness of God himself illuminates all things. Illuminates all things. Some people would say, well, you know, there's not going to be a sun that exists. There's not going to be a moon that exists and maybe no planet. That's, we can't say dogmatically that that's what this is saying. What it's really saying is like when you got God dwelling on this earth, you better believe it's going to be bright. You better believe it's going to be really bright. And it's like, yeah, there's a sun, but we don't need it. We don't need it. And I think that there there still might be because going back to Genesis 1, I think that there still might be a sun and a moon. All right? Cuz you got some plants that are growing in this new heaven and new new earth and they're producing fruit and all that stuff and I don't know. What do I know? Not much. Not much at all. Um, so never be impressed by me because I don't know a whole lot. I'm just doing the best I can, right? All right. He goes on to say, the Lamb was its light. Verse 24, the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. It says there shall be no night there. So it's just God doesn't turn off. God doesn't turn off, right? So it's not like God's like, all right, it's bedtime. Hey, lights out. Lights out at 11. Click, I'm off. I'm out of here. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. It's gonna just continuous. Chapter 22, real quick. Same kind of, John's getting this amazing tour. Verse 22, verse 1, he says, he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. So it's like, well, does that mean that there's like months and days? And maybe more importantly, does that mean that like there's like seasons? Because you might be one of those people who are like, man, I'm really a fall time person. I hate summer, but I really love fall and spring and fall. That's kind of my go to. Sweet spots. Spring and fall, although this, this springtime, I think earth is trying to kill me, but it's okay. Spring and fall, those are the coolest because the, what temperature is cool? No humidity? Maybe you're a seasonal type person. I don't know, but we just know that there's, it has mention of months and there's also mentioning of fruit that is continually being produced by this tree. I don't know. The leaves on the tree. This is how good this tree is. The leaves of this tree were for the healing of the nations. And just, you know, go to any media outlet and you can see that our nations are in desperate need of healing. Desperately. But in a new heaven, new earth, you can walk up to this tree, you can pluck out some of the fruit, you can eat, chew on the leaves if you want, right? Like, there you go. I don't know. But it's it's been made available for what? What's the point and the purpose? The purpose is... It's healing, and what was is now no more. Goes on to say, verse 3, there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. That's speaking of us. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. That's not like a, you're not going to have like God <laughs> tattooed on your forehead, okay? Probably, probably not. That's speaking of a seal, like you're his. You're his. You belong to him. It's a seal. Will it be visible? I don't know. I don't know. I doubt it, but I don't know. So it's it's a seal of like, you belong to him. You're his. He's yours. Verse 5, there shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun for the what? For the Lord God gives them light. And they, his people, shall reign forever and ever. It goes on to say throughout the rest of this chapter, which is like the last chapter of the Bible, the words are faithful and true. Behold, I am coming quickly, and behold, I am coming quickly. Uh, surely, I am coming quickly. All right, that's like Genesis or Revelation twenty-two. All that to say this: it started off really good, and then it got really bad. But I promise you this: it's going to get amazingly better. Amazingly better. So you can look back, Genesis, really cool, the beginnings of, of human history, beginnings of all that good stuff, but we don't stay there, we don't live there, we keep pressing on. We keep pressing on for a new heaven and a new earth, and that really should stoke some sort of excitement within inside of you. It should. If you're feeling down, you're feeling like, man, this is just, life, life's such a bummer, it's, it's so horrible. I mean, like, you, can't, you can't go anywhere and you can't look at anything without just... Seeing sin, let me remind you of what's to come. Of what's to come. And, and I love this about the word, and I, I love this about God. He he made this beautiful planet and, and the universe and all this stuff. He made it so that we could enjoy it and that we could enjoy Him. And ultimately that so that we would direct our praise and worship towards Him. He's gonna redo the whole thing for what? So that we could be with him, and enjoy him, his very presence, but also all the cool stuff that he makes. You got streets of gold, gold so pure it's it's see through. Like you can't get any purer than that. I mean, that's that's asphalt in heaven. That's concrete in heaven as pure gold. The building, Jerusalem, New Jerusalem. You know, that they see coming down. That's made of like these precious jewels and gems that we would like that we are killing other people for, or we're abusing poor kids in Africa, trying to mine these things out. God's like, I build buildings with those things. Yeah, that's, that's two by fours for me. Giant pearly gate, yeah, made out of one pearl. <laughs> yeah, I got 12 of those. Like, that's nothing. None of that stuff matters. What matters? Him and you in a relationship. That's what matters. That's what matters. And that's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. So, Genesis is a sweet book. It's an amazing book, and it began so good, and then it ends with the coffin, the death of Joseph. You know, and and you see it. It's just sin, and it all comes crumbling down. But praise God that that's not where the story ends. That's not where the story ends. We're headed to this new heaven and new earth. And my encouragement to you would be, first and foremost, make sure that is your destination. Because like I said, there are two. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't tell you about the fact that there's two. Yeah, there's a new heaven and new earth, but there's also this thing called lake of fire, which is suffering and eternal separation from God forever, forever. That's a destination for anybody who says, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. I don't, you know, Jesus, yeah, he might be, you know, he's good for those and maybe he's a crutch for some people and all that stuff. But, you know, for me, I got to figure it out. I'm okay. That's you're not okay. You're not okay. That's that's not good. That's not that's not even logic. That's that's crazy. There's two destinations. Number one, first and foremost, man, make sure that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and that you know where you're headed. And this thing should be stirring up inside of you. This excitement should be stirring up inside of you of like what's to come? Because John chapter 14, I will always, always, always reference this when we're talking about this. Jesus himself told his disciples, He's listen. I'm going to leave you guys, but I'm not going on a vacation. I need to leave you guys so that I can start preparing a place for you. Not general, yes, general for all believers, but that wording is actually individual, speaking of the individual. See, this is how good God knows you, because he formed and fashioned you within within your mother's womb, so he really gets you. He understands your circuitry and all that stuff. Jesus is like from from that moment he rose from the grave, he ascended to be with the right hand of the Father. He's like not just chilling out next to the Father, he's actively working on a place for you and for myself. Because he knows you. He says, Listen, we're gonna build this place. Make a little room for you in heaven, a little room. You don't need a mansion? It's gonna be like a mansion, I guess. You just get, you get to go and dwell in the presence of God. That should be good enough. But God, Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Listen, I'm going to make a place for you. I'm going to make a place for you. So when you get there, you will be blown away. You will be blown away. It's going to far exceed anything that you could have ever hoped for or even imagined. It just will. You'll get there and be like, how did you know? Oh, who am I asking? What, who am I talking to? Right? Like, of course He knew. I don't even know what all that means, but I know that when Jesus told his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you, he was speaking to the individual. He's speaking to the individual. So that should be an encouragement for all of us. If you're his, he's working right now, and he's doing so many things. He's interceding on behalf of you to the Father. I mean, Jesus is always praying for you. He never stops praying for you, and he's never stopped preparing this place for you. When it's done, when the Father says, okay, it's good, go get him. Hey, amen, that's going to be an amazing day. But in the meantime, this is what he's actively doing. So be sure that that's your destination, that you have surrendered your life to Jesus, that you have accepted this free gift of salvation. It's not by works. It's not by anything like that. It's just by placing your faith and trust in him and what he has done. Died on the cross, rose from the grave. And then hold on to that promise of like, man, it might be bad here right now, but I know what's to come. I know what's coming, and I'm living today for that day. I can serve people. I can actually be a benefit to humanity itself today because my eyes are fixed on him and are fixed on what's to come. You really can, can help people out within this world because this world needs, it needs Christians who are actually Christians, who are actually living like they love Jesus. That's what this world needs. So keep your eyes fixed on him. Run this race, as Paul would say. And just be excited. Be excited. Christians should be the happiest people in the world. You should be the happiest people in the world. Not the saddest people in the world. It's like, what, why are you bummed out? Why? You know what's coming, right? I just read to you what's coming. You should be excited, and you should be telling people, like, man, yeah, this world stinks. I get it. I know. I, listen, there's a lot of things happening on this planet that just grieve my heart. They grieve my heart. But I also know that there's a guy named Jesus who's going to come back, and he's going to fix all that. He's going to fix it.
0: You've been listening to the radio ministry Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're based out of Galveston, Texas, with the support of Calvary Galveston and listeners like you. We trust that what you heard in today's message stirred something inside of you to a point of action. These teachings are meant to help you find hope and new life in Jesus, and that's our heart's desire for you today. If you're in the Galveston area, would you come be a part of what's happening at Calvary Galveston? Our atmosphere is simple, laid back, and uncomplicated. We just want to magnify Jesus at all ages. To learn more about our ministry, we invite you to visit breadforthebroken.com. We also do a live stream on Facebook, so check it out, even if you are a little further away. If you're interested in hearing more messages like this one, you can do that by going to the Listen tab at breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, why not discover a little more about the church and this ministry, as well as look for opportunities to partner with us here. There's a Give tab that's easily accessible on our website too, if you feel led to support us in a financial way. We'd also love it if you would join us in praying for this ministry. Pastor James is excited to share new things with you in the coming study. There's always more that we can gain from diving deep into God's Word. Until next time, we encourage you to stay connected to God and His Word and to then come back for more solid teachings right here. We'll be waiting for you here on Bread for the Broken.